Foreign Minister Joseph Wu and National Security Council Chief Wellington Koo will lead a delegation to the U.S. to hold closed-door talks with the White House, the U.K.'s Financial Times has reported. The group will meet with U.S. Deputy National Security Advisor John Finer and Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman, among others, at the headquarters of the American Institute in Taiwan in Virginia. Wu says he won't comment on nor confirm the report. The report also says that Laura Rosenberger will be the new chair of the AIT after she leaves the National Security Council, replacing James Moriarty, the current chair. Observers say this shows that the role of AIT chair has been elevated to a higher ranking, reflecting that the U.S. is paying greater attention to Taiwan than before. Foreign Minister Joseph Wu and National Security Council Chief Wellington Koo will lead a delegation to the U.S. to hold closed-door talks with the White House, the U.K.'s Financial Times has reported. The group will meet with U.S. Deputy National Security Advisor John Finer and Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman, among others, at the headquarters of the American Institute in Taiwan in Virginia. Wu says he won't comment on nor confirm the report. The report also says that Laura Rosenberger will be the new chair of the AIT after she leaves the National Security Council, replacing James Moriarty, the current chair. Observers say this shows that the role of AIT chair has been elevated to a higher ranking, reflecting that the U.S. is paying greater attention to Taiwan than before. A military probe of the remains of a Chinese balloon that dropped into a shooting range on the outlying island of Dongying has concluded. The defense ministry says on Sunday that the device carried by the balloon was most likely a radio sound, a battery-powered instrument that measures atmospheric conditions. The probe found an antenna along with temperature and humidity sensors, but no audio or video recording equipment. However, a former general warns that the military still needs to be cautious, as the atmospheric data that such a balloon collects can still be used for military purposes, such as helping to refine the course of a guided missile when it travels toward the landing point. China's PLA is continuing to put pressure on Taiwan's military. On Saturday, it sent 24 sorties of warplanes near Taiwan, 15 of which crossed the median line of the Taiwan Strait. Even a BZK-005 high-altitude, long-range reconnaissance drone intruded into Taiwan's southeastern air defence identification zone. However, the form of pressure that China exerts is not just limited to warplanes and ships. High-altitude balloons are also in its intimidation toolkit. The objects in this picture, a white box and beige canvas, are the balloon wreckage that was found at a shooting range at the military's Dongyin Area Command. As a Chinese spy balloon has only recently entered US airspace, the timing of this incident is sensitive. The results of a Taiwanese military investigation into the wreckage are now out. 
After analysis conducted by a specialist team assembled by the military, we've determined that it is a meteorological radio sonde without video recording equipment. Its internal structure includes an antenna, temperature and humidity sensing components, and a data transmitter. It also had a lithium battery, among other things. But there was no video or audio recording equipment nor related storage equipment. Its structure is the same as a sounding balloon. The military confirmed that the balloon was used to monitor the weather. However, a former general has spoken out, saying that even if it is only used to measure temperatures, humidity levels and atmospheric conditions, the information will be helpful for correcting the courses of guided missiles, rockets and other weaponry, as well as being of use for Chinese aircrafts and ships. Whether it's changes to temperature or humidity or jet streams passing through at a high altitude, all of this can be used for military purposes. This can be used as weather data for the Chinese military's firepower, including for troops operating guided missiles. The relevant parameters can be imported into the relevant systems. In this way, the degree of precision of guided missiles and the landing points of both rockets and missiles will be extremely accurate. It is clear that China uses high-altitude balloons for its grey zone operations. How to deal with this is an important issue for the military at the moment. Shixing University, which specializes in training professional journalists, has a brand new virtual studio using state-of-the-art LED panels, the first of its kind in the country. The 200 million NT facility is able to simulate all kinds of backdrops for film and TV productions. A delegation from FTV paid a visit to the high-tech facility over the weekend to investigate cooperation opportunities between academia and the media industry. Here in Shi Xin University's brand new virtual studio, you can stand in front of a 270-degree oval screen, which is able to generate all kinds of backdrops. With a price tag of 200 million NT, the university has created Taiwan's first LED virtual studio. 2,200 LED panels form a 270-degree oval wall in an area of 470 ping. In addition to educating students, the facility is available for cooperation opportunities with the TV industry. It feels as if we're taking a trip to the countryside or the beach under the warm sun. There is beautiful scenery, but this place is in fact virtual. This is advanced knowledge and technology, which will be of great help to us in the TV industry. This is the trend of the times and the direction that FTV is heading toward. We can see that Shixing has invested so much in fostering so many outstanding film and television talents. I think in the future, they will even be the best talents in the field of virtual animation in the country. Our TV station also hopes to introduce these technologies in a timely manner so as to improve our programs and the quality of production. I hope that in the future there will be opportunities to cooperate with FTV. Our students can at least participate, and our talents can go to FTV. This is our greatest wish. Led by FTV President Dorothy Wang, the delegation from FTV toured the new studio. 
They hope that the professional experience and technology of the TV station can be combined with the university's high-tech facilities so as to drive the development of Taiwan's film and television industry and cultivate more talents. Do you ever think about where the water in your tap comes from? Protecting Taiwan's water systems is an urgent topic as environmental changes threaten the water we use every day. Today, we meet Huang Jianyi and his team of rangers at Yuemei Wetland Ecology Park. Local volunteers head out to the wetlands every day to monitor the ecosystem and preserve the health of a river. Their work makes it possible for tap water to be drawn sustainably from the river. A series of 120-centimeter bamboo poles are pressed into the shallow water of the wetlands. A week later, the poles are tapped to send the pink eggs of the golden apple snail off and sliding into the water, fresh fish food. The ranger team at UMA Wetland Ecology Park uses chemical-free and natural methods to contain species that can harm the ecosystem. They work across the UMA Leisure Farm, Da Ke Kang Constructed Wetland Ecological Pond, and Zhongzhuang Retention Basin. Deputy team leader Huang Jianyi starts with a tour of the wetland with a drone, then sends rangers out to complete their daily tasks. This is Yuemei Wetland. Across there is Daka Khan Constructed Wetland Ecological Pond, and in the middle is the Dahan River. The distance is about 500 meters or more. After I've checked this area, then I check the conditions over there. The patrol team is tasked with cleaning the environment, submitting pollution reports, and occasionally welcoming groups of students to the site. They offer tours and lectures, working with Fanong University to protect the Dahan River. We want to bring our environmental engineering skills into the community to help community rangers or volunteer teams to sample and test the water quality. This section of the Dahan River is called a tap water quality and quantity protection area. Downstream from here is a tap water plant. Excellent water comes to us here. And of course, in the end, we have to ensure its environment and quality. The hard work of local volunteers is vital to conserve the precious ecosystem and water system here, so we can all enjoy safe water for many generations to come. Taiwan's mountains are home to countless animals, giving the island incredibly diverse wildlife. In today's Sunday special report, we're going to focus on one particularly striking mammal, the yellow-throated martin, which is like a weasel and is protected in Taiwan. Conservationists have gone to great efforts to track down wild populations and monitor their health amid concerns over dwindling numbers. Let's see what they've been doing. We rarely see such colorful mammals in the wild. It's got black fur, but also very eye-catching yellow. It looks like a cat, but also looks like a fox. It often stands on its hind legs, which it does to make itself taller, so it can survey its surroundings. It observes things. This adorable little creature is the yellow-throated marten. Its dazzling yellow fur captures attention. When you see it, you'll grab your camera at once, and you'll want to follow it to capture more images. You'll wear yourself out following it, camera in hand. It's very nimble and smart, and will turn back to look at you while you follow it. The yellow-throated marten darts throughout the forest like a flash of lightning. 
obstacles are no match for it. It can follow the guardrail, leaping between reflectors for several hundred meters. Everyone wonders why it doesn't get struck down. It's because it can jump so well. The yellow-throated marten may be cute, but it is an aggressive animal. Wildlife photographer Gao Shoucheng once captured images of two martens killing a much larger Reeves muntjac before dragging the animal away. The mountain forests are a place of constant ecological change. The once dwindling yellow-throated marten population has been slowly growing since 2017. The yellow-throated marten is a protected species in Taiwan. In other countries, it is a threatened species. However, both in Taiwan and abroad, there is relatively little research information about the species. In 2019, the Yushan National Park Administration commissioned a private conservation company to tag and track yellow-throated martens for research. The company set about placing traps in the forest to catch the animals for tagging. When we chose a place to set the traps, we need to find somewhere with shelter from the wind. This spot right here is well protected from the wind. We also can't choose a place that's too exposed because after the marten is in the trap, we have to ensure it's kept warm and safe. Every time we pour out some honey, the martens appear, so we realize that these yellow-throated martens really love honey. Honey is used for bait and trees nearby are coated with an artificial scent to attract the martens. Automatic cameras are then installed nearby. With five traps now in place, all that's left is for the researchers to wait patiently. After a night of waiting, the team receives some good news. They return to the mountain early in the morning, ready to retrieve martens from three of the traps. At 8.30, we discovered the sudden appearance of a yellow-throated marten's tail. We went into the trap and later, we realized it was a particular marten we wanted to catch. On the screen, the yellow-throated marten can be seen getting lured into a trap by honey. It goes in and out of the trap, snacking on the honey, before finally getting locked inside. The researchers hurry back to retrieve the trap. Veterinarian researcher Zhong Jiaheng is excited to discover an old friend in one of the cages. This yellow-throated marten, tagged with the number 18, is Xiongmei. Xiongmei <laughs> was one of a small number of martens to have a GPS-equipped collar attached. In October 2021, she was captured and released. But researchers didn't see her again after that, until she was finally caught again, one year later. The researchers downloaded her GPS tracking data, giving them new insight into the daily patterns of a female yellow-throated marten. A marten is shot with a blowgun dart, rendering it unconscious for an hour. 
and allowing the researchers to give it a full checkup. The newly caught Martin is fitted with a collar and injected with a microchip. We look at its kidney and liver and check its red and white blood cells to make sure everything is normal. We also look for signs of disease such as canine distemper and canine parvovirus. The researchers have caught and released more than 30 martins over the past four years. The newest among them are a female they named Xiao Wen with a tag number 32, and a male named Xiao Jidan with tag number 33. When the researchers recaptured Xiao Mei recently, they made a surprising discovery. She was lactating. She had signs of lactating. Do you remember we saw her with a mate last year? She must have conceived. A year on, and Xiong Mei is a mother. After quickly finishing their test, the researchers let her go. Xiong Mei is released and disappears without a trace. Xiao Wen is also released but hesitates, looking left and right at her surroundings. Before returning to their habitat in the forest, the martins are fitted with collars equipped with transmitters. The research team can now track them with a high-frequency antenna. One of the captured males named Tian Tian by the team was fitted with a GPS tracker eight months ago. The team looks at the data points detailing Tian Tian's movements, shown as pink dots on a map. Over the course of eight months, his movements covered a radius of more than 130 square kilometers, half the area of Taipei. Impressive for such a small animal. Yin Limin is an experienced researcher who has worked in Yushan National Park for nearly 30 years. Her life and research are closely tied to the park. There is a thick growth of bamboo here, so sandbar deer will likely be active in this area. Several times while I was walking nearby, I looked up and saw sandbar looking at me from behind bamboo. Twelve years ago, Yin came up with an idea of going on evening patrols. From 4.30 p.m. when her work ends to 7.30 p.m., she heads out with her single-lens reflex camera, walking along the Tataka Trail. Yin says she occasionally encounters wild animals during her walks and is not deterred by wind or rain. So far, she's recorded over 8,000 such encounters. There are some who are just like my friends. I bump into them after work every one to three days. There's one male Reeves Muntjac that I have known for five years now. I've numbered some of the animals from 1 to 30. What's special about this information is that in the future, we can use it to see at a glance which animals typically appear along which trails. 
if we accumulate this data in the future, it will be helpful in the management of the whole national park. Aside from her love for photography, Inn is also an amateur artist. One pencil stroke at a time, images of yellow-throated martens and samba deer come to life on the page. In recent years, the yellow-throated martin has become a favorite art and photography subject of Ian's. She has captured images of the martin eating an apple, eating from a waste bin, and chewing on a plastic bag. Whether it's interested in human food, I'm not sure, but it's very curious about different odors. This may have a negative impact on its health condition. It's something we are paying very close attention to. When the yellow-throated martin eats waste left out in the wild, it chews apart packaging and may end up swallowing bits of plastic. Waste in the wild is a major concern for conservationists. Martins, macaques, macado pheasants and other animals eat waste they find and end up swallowing pieces of plastic. Waste that ends up in the diet of wildlife threatens their survival, and it can even end up further along in the food chain. Conservationists hope that through raising public awareness on the issue, they can help protect Taiwan's wild animals and the environment. Well, today was the last day of the two-week-long Taiwan Lantern Festival. The closing ceremony took place at the event's main stage in front of Taipei's Sun Yat-sen Memorial Hall. The popular boy band Ozone came out to rehearse Sunday afternoon, drawing a gaggle of fans, despite the weather changing for the worse. The northeast monsoon picked up and a light drizzle began. The Central Weather Bureau is rem reminding the public that the coldest period is yet to come. According to the CWB, from Sunday till Wednesday, the windward side of northern Taiwan and the eastern half of the island will see brief scattered showers. The mercury will dip down to around 13 degrees Tuesday night, and the early hours of Wednesday could see lows of 11 degrees in open areas along the coast. The northeast monsoon will taper off on Wednesday, ushering in mild weather. However, it'll pick up again on Friday and Saturday. Its intensity, however, will not be as strong as the current one, according to the available weather data at present.